Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Jesus is the author of life. He is the source of life. He is the prince of life. And the word prince there, the idea is that he is the ruler over life. So he's the author. He brought life into being. He is the source. It flows out from him. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Colossians. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18, in a message titled, Together for the Gospel. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So, in other words, John never would nor could make such a claim were it not true. John is not drifting off into pagan philosophy. John is as Jewish as anyone had ever been, but he is bringing out the revelation that the God who was in the beginning was and always has been and always will be the triune God. The God who is here with John, God and the word, and of course the spirit is included, but he's not being spoken of here. And then he says this, to to make it just absolutely clear what he's talking about, he says, all things were made through him. So go back to Genesis 1 for a minute. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John is now making it clear that it was God the Son. All things were made through him. Having said that the word was with God and the word was God, John tells us that the word, Jesus Christ, is the one whom, through whom the heavens and the earth and everything in them were created. Now, John says that here, and John's not the only one who says that. This claim is repeated or stated over and over again in the New Testament. So, Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And the emphasis in the original language is that not a single thing that was made was made apart from him. Everything that there is was made by the word, by Jesus. There's a big debate in the culture today, right? Creation versus evolution, and so forth. Naturalism versus theism. This is really a debate. You know, it's oftentimes referred to as a culture war. This isn't a cultural war. This is a spiritual war. This is a denial on the part of humanity that not only that we are created, but it's a denial that Jesus is the creator. But 
As I said, the New Testament states this over and over. Colossians chapter one, he is the image, speaking of Jesus, of the invisible God, the firstborn. Firstborn, not meaning that he, he's the first created. Firstborn means he's the sovereign over all. The firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Hebrews chapter one, God who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. You know, as we read through the gospels, remember when Jesus was with his disciples in a, in a boat on the Sea of Galilee and this fierce storm came up that was so fierce that these seasoned fishermen feared for their lives. And they cried out, Lord, help us. And it says that Jesus stood and he rebuked the wind and the waves. And afterward, they said amongst themselves, they said, who can this person be? that even the wind and the sea obey him. John tells us he's the creator. He's the one who made all things. The author of Hebrews tells us he's the one who made the universe. Now, it is no accident that John goes straight from his statement about the relation between the word and God to creation. It's not an accident. The self-revelation of God occurs first in creation. So we believe in what some people would call revealed religion. We believe because something was revealed to us that we could not know ourselves. We could not find out God on our own. If God was going to be known by humanity, he would have to reveal himself. And so God's first act of self-revelation came through creation. Paul would later write to the church in Rome and say this, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So the Bible teaches this. It doesn't necessarily use these terms, but this is what the Bible teaches is that there is general revelation that, that's given by God to humanity, and that's creation. That's what we just talked about. So God reveals himself to all people communicating the fact that he is, there's not intimate details about exactly who he is, but just the fact that he is, is revealed through creation. As Paul says, what may be known about God, God has revealed to them his invisible qualities. So that's general revelation. 
But there's also what we call special revelation. And special revelation comes to us through God communicating, not simply creating, but communicating in various ways who he is. And the the climax of that communication comes in Jesus. So God's ultimate self-revelation or communication occurs in the incarnation. Creation and salvation are closely connected in the New Testament because both of them have to do with God's self-revelation. The Apostle Paul expressed that connection like this in writing to the Corinthians in the second letter. He said this. He said, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. See, Paul is beautifully connecting, just like John is connecting Genesis 1, and that, that's where he begins with this, in the beginning was the word, Paul is doing the same thing. The God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth uh, was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and God said, let there be light. The God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. The full revelation of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. So beautiful, the way Paul puts it. Now, verse four, in him, in the word, was life, and the life was the light of all mankind. In him was life. We know this. We don't always think in these terms, but it would be healthy to remember. Life is given to us. We do not possess it in and of ourselves. Life is given to us. We didn't bring ourselves into the world, and we cannot help ourselves from leaving the world. You know, I I keep thinking about this, and maybe one of these days when... I have more time, I'm going to do it. I, I want to write a book about the way things are. And here's what I mean by that. The way things are is the way things God says they are. See, God says that we do not have life in ourselves. God claims that he alone is the one who possesses life. And The reality is we do not possess life in ourselves. If we did, we would not die. We would prevent that from happening. I listened to this podcast that I love called uh, The Rest is History. And it's just a a great, I like history. So it's it's a history podcast done by two great British historians who are simultaneously hilarious So it's a lot of good historical information with a lot of fun British humor involved. Um, But, you know, 
recently, I listened to a history on Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, Napoleon Bonaparte, all of these great men who were invincible for a moment, but then they died. And none of them had any power to prevent that from happening. And no one has any power to prevent that from happening because we do not possess life in ourselves. Life is given to us. And what does this passage say? It says, in him was life. Jesus is, the New Testament uses these terms. He is the author of life. He is the source of life. He is the prince of life. And the word prince there, the idea is that he is the ruler over life. So he's the author. He brought life into being. He is the source. It flows out from him. He is the one who has ultimate say-so over life. In him was life. And then it says, and that life was the light of all mankind. So only God has life within himself. And remember, Jesus will say later in this very gospel, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the life. So here he says, or John says, in him was life. And this would be what we would think of as material life, biological life, but also spiritual life. And then this light was the light of mankind. What does that even mean? And I have to tell you, this is perplexing, not just to me. It's perplexing to most commentators. And that life was the light of mankind. What does that mean? Well, my best guess is that it's a reference to the life of God that brought our lives into being, which Genesis refers to as us being created in the image of God. Now, if you go back to Genesis and you see they're the record of, of the creation of mankind, you see that God forms man out of the dust of the ground. So he, he takes existing material and he forms the human body. But then it says this, and God breathed into the nostrils and man became a living being. So there's the material element of us, our bodies, but then there's something else that animates the body, and this is the life of God. And, and you know, in Genesis, when it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, the Hebrew word for create there is a word bara, which means to create from nothing. There's another word that's used in the account of creation in Genesis. It's a Hebrew word, asa. It means to form out of existing material. So sometimes, like when God creates the body of Adam, he forms that body out of existing material. 
But when God breathes into Adam the breath of life, this is the word bara. So it's not some existing material, but it's coming forth from God himself. So when, it, when John tells us here that Jesus, in him was life and the life was the light of all mankind, it could be, and I think it's probably the best way to understand it, that he's talking about the fact that our life is that spark, if you will, of the divine nature that brought us into being. Genesis calls it the image of God. Sometimes you hear us use the term the imago Dei. That's a Latin phrase for image of God. But now, final thing that he says, he says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm reading, we're reading, you know, out of the NIV. The, the earlier translation of the NIV, the 1984, it doesn't say overcome, it says understood. And in the New King James Version, it says comprehend. So the possible translation is the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome or extinguished it or understood and comprehended it. And it actually, because the word can mean either one. That's why some translations tr translate it one way and some translate it the other. They're trying to understand from the context, okay, what is he saying about this light shining in the darkness and the darkness is not able to what? Well, I think it's actually both. The darkness, and, and this is the context, the darkness has not comprehended or understood, but neither has it nor can it overcome. See, that's the, the glorious thing. The world is full of darkness. And sometimes we feel like the darkness is going to overcome everything, but it's not. It never will. Why? Because of Jesus. Because he is the light of the world. But think about this for a moment. So the darkness did not overcome or extinguish, but let's talk about the darkness not comprehending or understanding. The British atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell, on one occasion, he describes this himself, and he's, he's marveled by it, actually. On one occasion, he felt compelled. He was out in nature. And he, by the beauty of, of what surrounded him, for, for a moment, he was overwhelmed with a sense that he should give praise and thanksgiving. But of course, he was an atheist, so who could he give praise and thanksgiving to? <laughs> but, but in him, there was this sense so you see, the darkness, Bertrand Russell, he couldn't comprehend, he couldn't understand why he felt that way. But at the same time, the darkness in his own mind through his atheism could not overcome the urge to praise. Praise. 
And this is true. It's true of the universal knowledge of right and wrong in all of us. We, don't, we can't comprehend it. Why, why do we feel that way? Why, why do we think like that? And we can't stop it. It's there. Even, even though we might educate ourselves to say, no, that's, that's religious. We don't, we don't want that. We still can't escape it. The passion for justice or the belief that there, there, there should be justice in the world. All of these are glimmers of the light within us due to our creation in God's image. Glimpses of the light that lights all mankind. You see, left to ourselves, we don't understand it. We can't comprehend it. Jesus came into the world to make it known why that is our experience. It's our experience because we are not cosmic accidents. We are creatures made in the image of God. The word Jesus is the light of the glory of God that shines brightly in the midst of the darkness, the undimmed light that shows the way to God and the way of God, the light that will never be extinguished but will ultimately banish the darkness from the world. That's what's stated here as well. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it, cannot extinguish it. The devil and evil people have attempted many times to put out the light of the gospel in the world And sometimes it looks like there's nothing but a a small, the tiniest ember that is even left, a spark. But that spark cannot be put out. And man, it will rekindle a great flame. And it has over and over and over again. I think of all the decades that the Soviet communists, they they tried to stamp out the gospel, the belief in God, the belief in Jesus. They tried to stamp it out, not just in Russia, but in all of their satellites. But what happened in the end? Communism died and the gospel reemerged. And that's what happens over and over again. And so today, he will banish the darkness from your world. He is the true light. He will banish the darkness from your world as you come to know and trust. For the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. What did Jesus come to do? And in what ways does that make Christianity unique? 
Does it matter if the claim that Jesus rose from the dead a historical fact or not? And what's wrong with believing that Jesus was simply a great teacher? In his book, Basic Christianity, John Stott answers those questions and many more that are fundamental to the Christian faith and any genuine inquiry into understanding the historical Jesus. Ever since Jesus lived, he's been largely misunderstood by both religious and secular groups alike. But understanding who Jesus is, what he came to do, and what he claimed are relevant for all people regardless of their current beliefs. If you're a Christian, this book will help you to better understand the basics of the Christian faith. If you're not a Christian, this book will help you to better understand the basic beliefs of millions in our global culture. If you want to know more about the basic beliefs of the Christian faith, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Basic Christianity by John Stott. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.